0: this sunday we we reflect on this beautiful story of the transfiguration of our lord where they went up that mountain and were suddenly bathed in the radiance of god's glory and of course you know it describes that his clothes became dazzling white and you'll see that phrase used a lot dazzling and brilliant it really almost blinds people but our lord when he's transfigured that means he had a change of his appearance his appearance changed in a very dramatic way. And his appearance changed because they no longer saw this person, this human being, this, this man, this teacher, this rabbi. They saw God in his full glory. He peeled back the veil of sin so that for just a few moments, Peter, James, and John could experience the fullness of God's glory. Now, we are often bathed in the glory of God we are often in the presence of God and in the presence of his glory as we are right now right now God's glory is shining from the tabernacle shining from our Lord present in the blessed sacrament but we can't see it we can't experience it except when God gives us that special grace because we are blinded by sin that glory is veiled by the effect of sin in our lives And again, Peter, James, and John got to experience just a brief glimpse where that veil was pulled apart, and they got to see it. And Peter's reaction is amazing. I I always get a kick out of Peter in this, because he's terrified. All of them are just like, they don't know what's going on. They're blinded. They're dazzled by this light. All they can see is this light and the three figures within it. But he's amazed, too. And he knows that I don't know what this is, and I'm scared or I'm afraid, but I'm gonna stay, I wanna stay here. So he wants to set up tents, they want to set up booths, they want to set up places to stay within that glory. They want to remain there, even if they don't know what's going on. They know that it's it's something that the depth of their soul they are desiring. The fact is, the glory of God is dazzling for us, it will cause that effect in us that we will be terrified by it but at the same time desire it we see uh, if you look in the book of revelation there are three times that the author john describes that an angel appeared to him and he immediately goes down on his face he immediately goes down to worship this angel because it's so overwhelming this glory of god shining around him in each three times the angel says Paraphrasing, knock it off and get up. Get up! I'm not the god to worship. I'm his servant. I'm his angel. Three times that happens. He didn't learn after the first or second time. It took three times for him to finally figure it out. But it, it, it dazzled him and amazed him. In a similar way, although to a lesser extent, you see that in the Exodus when Israel is has left Egypt and they're following the pillar a fire, the pillar, of cloud. And they get to Mount Sinai, and Moses is given the law. Well, he goes up to the top of the mountain, and he spends this time with God, spends 40 days up there with him. And when he comes down, his face is radiant. It's glowing with the glory of God. And the Israelites are terrified to the point where every time Moses would go up, the, go up onto the top of the mountain to converse with God, he would actually come down and put a veil over his face put a mask over his face so they don't see that glory shining in him. The fact is, if an angel appeared to us right now, and an angel of God appeared in all of God's glory, the fullness of God's glory, we would have the same reaction. We would be blinded, we would be dazzled, we would be terrified by that glory of God, but we would also have that sense of of awe and wonder and desire that would hit us as well. So maybe that's part of God's uh, plan, part of a a grace of God, is that we in our sinful state do not see the glory of God around us. But do not be fooled. It is here. It is present among us now. It is shining over us now, just like the, the divine mercy image shows. The glory of God is shining around us. And so through the, the transfiguration, our Lord gave all humanity just a glimpse, just a taste. And Peter, James, and John got to experience that firsthand, that glory of God. So if it's something that we desire to the depths of our soul, which it is, that it's promised to us that if we seek that glory of God, we will live in it for all eternity. We will be immersed in that that. That loving brilliance of God. That loving glory of God. How do we get there? We can look to the example of Abraham in the first reading. You know. In the first reading, we get kind of the second half of the story. We know the first half that Abraham was, was to become the father of a great nation. The father of the nation of Israel. And that through him, the savior of the world would come. And, but he only had one son, who the son himself was a miracle from God. And God says, I want you to sacrifice your only son. And Abraham is willing to do it. There's a kind of a, a great comic I love online where it's Abraham and Isaac, and Isaac goes, Oh, Father, we have the, the fire and we have the wood, but where's, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide Isaac. And, Abraham, and Isaac goes, you say God will provide Isaac or God will provide, comma, Isaac. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's, he was willing to sacrifice his son as a sacrifice you know, to God because God commanded it. He trusted in God, even to that extreme. Of course, then we see in the second part of the story that God is saying, no, you don't have to sacrifice your son. This was to see if your faith was was strong enough. And of course it was that you you trust. And then God provided another sacrifice and Abraham Abraham, through Isaac, went on to be the father of a great nation. That was a prefiguring, a foreshadowing of what our Lord himself would do. Abraham was asked by God to sacrifice his son. He did not have to. God, our Heavenly Father, did sacrifice his only begotten son his son our lord jesus christ suffered and died on the cross out of love for us but also out of that radical trust for god we know there were times when our lord questioned we see one in the agony in the garden where he says if it be your will let this cup pass but then we see that trust but not my will your will be done and that's the response that we should have to God. That's the trust that we should have with God. Not my will, but your will be done. That's how we experience the glory of God. That's how we can enter into that glory for all eternity. We see St. Paul who said, who wrote, He who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for us all, how will he not also give us everything else else? along with him we are called to trust in the mercy and love of God that he will give us what we need if we follow him he will give us the strength that we need to follow his will to follow him to follow our Lord into eternal life but to do that we need to have the openness to change our lives So that the focus is no longer on ourselves, but on him. To put our lives in his hands. To set aside our pride, our arrogance, our self-righteousness. Set aside what our desires and our wants. Set aside what we think is right. And trust him. And trust that what he has revealed is right. What he has led us through his church is right and that is a very painful thing to do because it takes humility to be able to say well i believed all these things and i'm wrong he's right i wanted all these things but i'm wrong he's right that takes a great deal of humility it takes a great deal of self-reflection and it takes a great it will take a great deal of sacrifice in our lives. We will have to give things up that we don't want to. Attitudes, behaviors, possessions, friends. There will be things that we will have to give up to follow God, to change so that we can be like his son, willing to give even our very lives to trust in God. Abraham was blessed Because he was willing to do that. He was willing to change. He was willing to trust in God. He was willing to do what God commanded of him. And, as I said, became the father of a great nation, the nation of Israel. Abraham did not withhold anything back. We must not be willing to withhold anything back if we are to follow God. We will be blessed by him for that. Might not be material wealth, might not be a large family, but we will be blessed by God. So the question for us this Lenten season is, what's holding us back? What is holding us back from committing to the trust of God as we are called to do? To committing to change our lives, to seek to draw closer to God, to ask him for the strength to have the humility to reach out to him, to follow him, to trust him. What is keeping us from that? May this Lenten season be a season of change, allowing God to change us so that we might enter into that glory which our Lord has promised us.